0: Amen. Thank you. You can be seated and we'll begin this morning with high five, I'm alive. Amen. High five, I'm alive. Let's hear you say it. All right, well, hold it up. High five. There's five truths that we're looking at. All right, I know. You're saying that's so silly. You have us hold on. Why? Why? You do it at the baseball game or at the football game. Why not do it for Jesus and all that He's done for you? There are five basic, fundamental principles of our identity. Who God says we are that we're looking at in this very first verses of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter one, and I want you to know, church, it doesn't matter if anything else happens today, let's make sure this happens. Let's make sure that we begin to see ourselves and understand who we are in the light, now listen, in the light of the truth of what God says, regardless of all the voices around us. The truth of what God says. Ephesians chapter one To the praise and glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And those five principles are in those verses. They are, let me go through them first and then we'll go through them together. Hold, Hold off on the slides here, just a minute. Fill in your blanks first. Blessed, chosen, adopted, accepted, and redeemed. We looked at blessed last week. Today we're going to look at chosen, then adopted, accepted, and redeemed. All right? And all five of them make a high five sign that we can celebrate who we are in Christ. Okay? Now let's go through them together. Okay, first, number one, I am blessed. Number two, chosen. Number three, accepted. Number four, adopted, oops, I got them backwards, let's start over, back up, you guys are awesome, I'm fired, okay, I'm fired, can you back up, go all the way to, start. let's start over, we got to do it right, and you guys did it right, I need to make sure that I repent, okay, number one, we are blessed, chosen, adopted, accepted, and redeemed, high five, I'm alive, there it is, right there. All right, give us my high fives, June. High five! All right, Jack. High five! It's good. It's a good thing, isn't it? Come on, folks. Have a little fun in church. These truths can really set us free if we believe that they're true. All right, we're chose. First of all, we're blessed. Okay, we're chosen. And what does that really mean? The verse there is in verse four. It says, "Just as He, that's Jesus Christ, God Himself, chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, just as He." chose us in him. Now, doesn't you know, we live in a day and an age where people are told all kinds of things, whether it's verbally, whether it's culturally or socially, whatever it is. We're 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 Im- constantly being pressed with all these messages about who we are or who we should be and how we should be. I want you to first of all realize being chosen By Jesus Christ Himself means that you are not an accident, you are not an afterthought, you're not abandoned, means you're not alone. Means you're not left out, and now watch this one. You're not rejected. You're not kept out because of any of your failures. Now now listen to that right there. Being chosen means you're not being kept out any longer because of your failures and you're not being rejected. You know, there's a lot of sources of uh, internal pain and frustration that people go through. You know, today, uh, and and I'm not knocking, um, you know, psychiatrists and, and all the the medical solutions that we have for depression and those kind of things, you know, I'm not here to judge those right now. I'll judge those later if you want to talk to me. But right now, I'm not going to judge those. Right now, I'm just saying this. Um, The pharmaceutical companies, among their best-selling products, are those that are treating depression. Internal pain. And and part of the reason is because, because, listen... I think the greatest source of pain that a person could ever know is to be rejected. Is to be rejected. To not be accepted or not be chosen. I can tell you my own personal testimony folks and and someday I'll do that but but my father left before I turned 1 year old and 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 my mom basically couldn't keep me, and I was tossed around, and I didn't have a biological family to grow up with. And I can tell you that through the source of my life, having seen combat, seen people die in the Middle East, I've experienced a lot of trauma, but that... Trauma is the single greatest source of pain in my heart and my life, being rejected by my father, being tossed aside as if I have no value, not worth making any sacrifice for, as a parent walks away from his child. I think, personally, my experience, there's no greater source of pain for the human heart than that right there. We don't like to be. We, don't, we can't stand being rejected, left out, abandoned. Because as humans, the human art is created with a need to be loved, to be chosen, to be the one that receives appreciation, value, and affection from somebody else. Do you know, if you say, well, I'm not that way, well, the only reason you're that way is because you've learned to survive otherwise because you can't find it, but your heart still needs it. It's the way God has created us. And the Bible says that because there's that need created in our hearts, He chose us. Chose you. Let's look at three things together about his choosing. Number one, you are chosen in him. Look at verse 13. Till we, oh, oops, I'm not verse 13, verse 3, 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, what does it mean to be chosen in him? Him. I mean, it's one thing to be, uh, to be chosen, like, like maybe when you were a kid growing up, or you've seen this in kid, other kids growing up, you know, when it's time to divide up for teams. Maybe they don't do this anymore, but they did when I was a kid, and you'd have team captains, right? How many people always, your heart kind of sank whenever it was time to get team captains that were going to pick their teams? Anybody else? Was, okay, yeah, some, so some of your hearts didn't sink because you knew you were going to be the first ones picked, you know, but, but for the rest of us, we thought, uh-oh, what does it mean when, when they pick somebody else and somebody else and somebody else, and then somewhere on down the line, in public in front of everybody, well, I guess I'll take Chuck. <laughs> There's the only one left. You remember what that was like? It was like it was just for a you know a kickball game or baseball or flag football or whatever it was, but 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 that hurts. But it's one thing, just to be chosen for a team or chosen for a, a goal or chosen for a task, but it's something entirely different to be chosen in Him, in Christ Jesus. That is, first of all, it brings great encouragement, it brings great encouragement. Let me show you why. Turn to Galatians chapter two. To be chosen in Him means this, church. There is something specific in mind that God has. When He chooses you, now that's every single one of us who have been redeemed, who have accepted Christ, received Him. Then all of this comes in as being chosen. All of this purpose, all of this this thinking that He already has in Him. Now look at Galatians chapter two. This is a whole discussion about the law. Okay, now let's don't get hung up on the law. This is when we talk about the law in Galatians. We're basically saying um, the way that you try to get to God in your own efforts. Okay? Now, those of us in Christ have learned early on that there's no way to get to God in our own strength and effort. Does that make sense to you? That means this, okay? If you want to get to God in your own merit, your own ability, then listen, what you have to do is you have to never sin, not even once. Never violate God's principles or laws. Listen, not even in thought. So last week when that guy cut you off and, and, and you... you did whatever it is you do that I'm not going to mention in church, but at the very least you thought something evil, something unkind in your mind, even that is violating God's laws. So, so, So the point is, if we have to rely on always making sure we do exactly God's law in order to please Him, to be accepted by Him, to get to Him, then all of us are in trouble, and I'll be the first one to admit it. Everybody with me? That's what we're talking about when we say the law, the the prescribed method to get to God that none of us can keep. And this is a discussion, Paul's actually going back and reminding Peter, hey Peter, you remember, we don't live underneath the oppression of that law anymore. That's where we pick up the discussion. It's in verse 19, he says, For I through the law died to the law, that I might live to God. So I died to the way, my former way, and now I live to God a new way. Now look at verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Anybody ever wake up and something's happened in your life? I don't know what it is. It's a a failure. A difficulty. A struggle, and you wake up, and sometimes just in the back of your mind, you just think, I I don't know if I can be good enough to be used by God. I don't know. This church thing, this Christian thing, I don't know if I can do it. There's part of me that's just too weak i don 't know if I could ever be like so and so who God uses, and, and, and I wish I could because it 's glorious it 's wonderful, and I appreciate that but, but i don 't know that I could ever be at a place where God would use me like that to do things that God wants to do around me that are remarkable and amazing things i don 't know that I could ever live with that peace and joy walking through illness and difficulty and trial like like somebody else in my life i don 't think I have what it takes well listen. The great encouraging word is, no, you don't. You say, that's the encouraging word? Yeah, because that part of you that relies on you to get through it is supposed to be dead anyway. Look what he says. I have been crucified with Christ. That means all of the part of me that relied on me to feel value and to make it, to be accepted even by God, all of that part of me has been crucified, nailed on the cross spilled out life till it's no longer alive, dead, buried in the tomb, gone. All of that part of me has been crucified because Jesus died to take it away. Crucified with Christ. That's what it means. You don't rely on your own ability to please God anymore. You don't rely on your right and wrong and how much of it's right versus how much of it's wrong to be accepted, to be chosen by God because you're chosen in him you've been crucified with Christ. That's a good thing, by the way. That old old nature that was so trapped and frustrated is buried and dead and gone. He said, don't you remember, Paul says, we've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I. It's no longer me that lives. But then when he says... Christ lives in me. That's what it means to be chosen in him. It means that when Jesus Christ chose you and you accepted and received by faith his death on the cross, and he became your savior, when he chose you, listen carefully, that meant that he now has your life to put his abilities, his nature, his character inside of now 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 no no stay with me say wow jesus put his nature inside of me his ability his character yes he did but listen that's not just for the sake of a theological discussion so you can say that yes i know jesus lives in me because the verse goes on it's no longer i that live but christ lives in me now watch and the life which i now live in the flesh hey that means where you touch the world, that means where you encounter life, your relationships, your jobs, your emotions, everything that happens this week is, is he's saying, now that life that you live here in the flesh, in the world, he says, now I live by faith in the Son of God. If I could do it, I don't know if I could be good enough. I don't know if I could be the person that God really wants me to be. Now, listen to me carefully God doesn't want you to be the person He wants you to be, He wants you to be dead. He wants all of your abilities and efforts to be crucified and buried with Christ so that he has an open heart, an open life, one who he can choose to put his own nature in so that he can do the things that he wants to do to please himself in your life. That's what it means. So, so you see, it's a whole different ballgame than, I don't know if I'm good enough, you are good enough because he chose you to be. He chose you to be the one who he places himself in so that you can live by faith and walk and experience and know him. There's great value to that identity. Who are you? You're not what the world says you are. You're not who you used to be. You're not who sometimes in your flesh and in your, in your frustration you think you should be. You are chosen in Christ to be the one that he puts himself in and works through. I'm telling you, there's no greater value. There's no greater identity on the planet than to be that. To be chosen. Your, your heart longs to be chosen so that Christ lives in you and I, who loved us and gave himself for us. Um, yeah, he doesn't need you to do great things anymore. So quit trying, he just needs you to be dead live by faith. Let him do what he wants to do in your life. Say, how do I do that? I'm not not sure how to be dead and just let him live. Well, it's a matter of focus. It's a matter of attention. It's a matter of setting your mind on things above. That sounds really familiar. I heard that somewhere. Oh, that's right. It was last week's sermon. It has to do with where we identify ourselves. You see why it's so important to embrace the truth of who God says you are? Because it's a matter of focus. You know that God will not compete with you. So you have to focus intentionally on me living this week and all the things that I think I can and should and want to do, I'm going to crucify those things. There's no bringing those back to life. They're dead. All I need to do now is pay attention to, focus on what is it that God is doing in my life, that circumstance where you don't think you can be good enough, that job situation where you don't think you can handle it, or, or reputation you don't think you can uphold. Listen, all you have to do this week is focus on this. I don't need to worry about what I can do. I must focus on what He wants to do. When your life focus changes from I'm living my life to doing the very best I can to I'm living my life in surrender to what He wants to do, the Spirit of God begins to move and work through you in amazing ways. You see, Ted, you don't have to be Billy Graham. You have to be dead to yourself and let God... Breathe in and through you. Focus on what he's doing in your life. And then the results will be equally as impressive as Billy Graham's. Why? Because it's God. It's Christ in you. That's who you are. Say, I don't feel like that. Mm -mm. Stop worrying about how you feel. Believe what God says. You are who God says you are. I am blessed, chosen, adopted, accepted, redeemed. And today we're focusing on the fact that we are chosen in Him. God will not compete with you, and listen, God will not make you do anything. He will not make us. I was speaking with somebody this week, and they were talking about a church member. They were talking about doing the right thing. And in the context of that discussion, it came up that we're. Doing the right thing to them looked like bearing fruit. They wanted to bear fruit. They wanted for God to make a difference in how they live so it would come out. Does that make sense? Is there anybody that says, yeah, that's, that's, that's who I'd like to be. That's who I am, right? That, that's who we are. And they said, you know, I'm supposed to be bearing fruit in my life. This situation, I'm supposed to be bearing fruit. I, I, I'm trying so hard. And I said, no, 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 we stop right there. That's, that's your problem. You're trying too hard. What? What kind of counsel is that? I'm gonna find a better pastor than this. Tell me, don't try. What you need to do is take all that effort off of producing fruit. Could you imagine, like, like if you're just a fruit, a fruit tree, and you're just like trying to like just wherever the tree is put, you're trying to bear fruit on your own, just argh, just trying to pop out apples or pears or fruit, whatever it is, grapes. Just, just trying to force it out. That's the way some of us are, folks. We're we're wandering around living life with our blood vessels popping out of our brains because we're trying so hard and struggling with our own strength and effort to try to pop out and produce some fruit. If I could just do it. I looked across the table and I shared with this person. You can't bear any fruit. But you are chosen in Him. And He will bear fruit if you just look at what he's doing in that circumstance and then just go along with it. Now, doesn't that sound a lot easier? Just, you know, you could just try and struggle and strain or you can just kind of give up, crucified with Christ, and just say, oh, what, what are you doing anyway, Jesus? Oh, okay, I'll just go along with you. Doesn't that sound a little bit easier? That's what he chose you for. You're chosen in him. He won't compete with you, and He won't make you. So the focus is that we, on a daily basis, surrender, yield, give up. You've got to be willing to lay aside what you think you need and what you think you can do. And that's the moment when we live our life by faith in the Son of God, that He begins to work. And then you sense, this, then you sense more of the identity of who you are, chosen in Christ. He chose us in him, and then it says, before the foundation of the world. He chose you before the world blows my mind, church. Let me, let me give you a very expert, theologically trained, well-versed answer to the question, did God really have me specifically in mind before the foundation of the world that he, that he chose me all the way back then. And how did that work? And what if I decided to, to not choose? Does God choose some and not choose others? Or did he really know? Or how does all that work? L- let me just answer it for you. He's God. And he chose you. That's all you have to focus on. That's all you have to know. Yes, he knew you before he created you. And yes, he chose for you to be one. You. Sitting here today, you listening on the radio, wherever you are, you sitting right there. He chose you with you in mind, not just generically you as a people, but you as a person. With your background, with your parents, with your situation, with your flaws, knowing them all before he even created you, he still chose you and said, you're the one that I choose before the foundation of the world. You see, you have to know that God exists eternally. He knows from before. He already knows where you're going to fail. He already knows. You say, I'm not worthy to be chosen. You think he doesn't know that? It's God's nature and grace to choose us in spite of the fact that we don't deserve it, that we couldn't possibly measure up to it. You see, I'm holding, church, I'm holding a high bar for what it means to be chosen. It's It's glorious. It's really the fundamental purpose of mankind to be chosen by him. That's how big it is. But you see how little you have to do to receive this choice of his. Because he already decided before he even created you that you would be one. You see, if you're an orphan or grew up in a rough, distant home being abandoned and rejected like me, or maybe you feel abandoned and rejected now by people in your life, family, friends, you don't fit in nobody ever gets you that's okay that's okay he chose you knowing full well exactly what you would be like and the nature of this love of god chooses you anyway and chooses you with all the value of being chosen by the eternally existing god he's an everlasting eternal being that chose you before you were made and when god does that there's a certain pattern we can rely on when god chooses there's certain truths that follow i want you to turn to deuteronomy chapter 7 i got to show you that quickly because you're going to question at times just like me if this is really true for you and you have to see it's a biblical pattern It, it plays out god's faithful when we say that in the beginning of the service he's faithful this is what we mean we mean when he shows that there's patterns in the bible that he ascribes to, we can trust those patterns to apply to us too. Okay? Not just for everybody else. He is faithful. Deuteronomy chapter 7, God gives this wonderful pattern. And, and folks, you see, I have so much to say here, I just don't have enough time to say it. If I talk faster, can you listen faster? <laughs> no, let's don't do that. Let's don't do that. I'll skip it. The Old Testament is important. These patterns are sometimes first revealed to us in the Old Testament. And here, Deuteronomy chapter 7, a chosen people by God. Look at verse 6. Deuteronomy 7, 6 says this, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be the people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples of the face of the earth. Now, time out. Hold your finger right there and look this way. Now, this is talking specifically about a group of people known as the Israelites, the Jewish nation. This is God choosing a people group, a nation, to be his own special people. And there is no doubt that God has specifically, listen to me, specifically chosen the nation of Israel to be a special people. They have special promises. God has done special things in their life. And those things don't always apply to you and I unless we're part of the nation of Israel. Okay? Okay? but the pattern and the principle is always true when God chooses something by his own choice, we can trust that he'll do the same types of things for us. You with me? So we're not the nation of Israel, we're the redeemed, we're the church. We've been grafted into the promises of Israel, but we're not Israel, we're not the Jewish promised people, but we are chosen, and when we're chosen by God, we can trust to be the same pattern. Here's the pattern, Look. He says, God has chosen you to be a people. Now look at verse 7. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. Well, let's see. Does the pattern fit so far? God chose you. Did he choose you because you were the best person on the planet? Watch this. Do you like this? No. That's how you do it. No way. No way, I know you guys. I know me. So just like when he chooses Israel, he chooses not because of their their worldly prominence and value on the earth. He chooses them by his own choosing, his own value, what he sees. Look at verse 8. But because the Lord loves you, hey, that's why he chose you. Because he loves you. And because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out of a mighty hand, out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. What does all that mean? That means when God chooses something, someone, whether it be a person or a people, he automatically assumes responsibility for that people. Right? Did you see it? Look, when he chose Israel, It says he chose because he loved you and then he brought you out. You Remember, he brought them out of Egypt. They were in slavery and bondage and they cried out to him and he delivered them and brought them out and he made them his own special people. He provided water for them in the dry desert. He provided manna when they didn't have food, clothing. He provided a place of worship and taught them his laws and and how to walk. He gave them the 10 commandments or his ways, his laws. He began to walk with the people and show them, bringing them to a land that was a promised land of immense blessing and all along the way, this people learned that when you are chosen by God, He takes care of every single emotional, physical, and spiritual need that you would ever have. That's what God does for those whom He chooses. You can trust that pattern to be true for you as well. He will slay your enemies. He will take care of those who seek to hold you back. Why? Because you're chosen in Him. I'm holding one of these bibles that is in our family. I preach through different ones using. This one happened to be one that one of my daughters used way back when. I don't know what how it came around, but um this was um one of my young my youngest daughter and at one point she she wrote in here when I was teaching in this passage the very same thing. She wrote in here, "God provides for my every need." She, she did that when she was like Handwriting looks like about seven years old. I wish I could tell you some of the things that were playing out in the lives of my children. They're not perfect children by any means, but, but they're learning right now, each one of them in their young adult age, to really trust God and choose his ways. And when they trust and choose, that God is in them and chose them, and when they surrender to that, God is blessing and taking care of their every need. That pattern is true. It's one of the precious patterns that we tried to instill to our children as they were growing up. Here's what it means to be chosen by God. And it makes you live your life differently because you truly can trust that God's the one responsible to part the Red Sea, to calm the waves, to settle the storm, right? Thinking of all of Jesus' encounters with people. Church, we would do well to remember this in the pattern. When God chose the people of Israel and drew them out, just because he chose them didn't ever mean that they weren't going to walk through any difficulty, did it? You, you wonder why they walked through the Red Sea and not around it? Do you, you ever wonder why on the other side of the Red Sea, it was a desert with no food and water? Because when God chooses you, He orchestrates and works in circumstances in your life. Watch this. To show you how faithful He can be. Chosen in Him. You see, if we try to avoid some of those rough paths and some of those storms and some of the difficulties, if we, if we try to try to just with our own physical being try to, try to get around those or not experience those we never experience the identity of being chosen being chosen means hey you can walk through that thing surrendered and yielding when God's leading you and know that every step of the way the waters will be parted and the water will flow out of the middle of a rock if need be to refresh you uh, I don't know I think it's pretty cool to be chosen by a God who can do that. Who delights to do that. To show me how much he loves me. Whoa. Who delights to do that in my life. It's not like a a burden for God. Oh, Bud's in the storm again. I have to part calm the storm and, and show him how faithful I am. That's not, you understand? To be chosen in me. It's God's delight to be working in and through us in our lives. Look, bud, look how much I love you. Watch my faithfulness. Look at my character. Be who I am. Know what I know. Be part of my family in my ways and experience all the glory of, of who I am when I choose you and your identity and all your values found in the fact that I will do this in and through you in your life. What a great identity that is because he loves us. That's That's the pattern. Now turn back to Ephesians chapter 2. High five, I'm alive. All right, just checking to see if you're still with me. He chose us in him, it said, before the foundation of the world, it says in verse 4, and then finally, for a purpose. He chose us for a purpose. Look what it says. Before the foundation of the world, sometimes we skip over these really, really important words that are small in our Bibles. I want you, if you write at all in your Bible, or maybe even if you don't, take out your pen or pencil and circle this word. Very important word. Before the foundation of the world, that. That's one of the most important words in that verse. What what word? That. T-H-A-T. That. What does it mean? It means that all of what you just read All the truth that you just received and unpacked and saw is for this purpose. That. It's like, so that. Right? So that what? Here it is. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That we should be holy and without blame. There's a purpose to him choosing you. Now, first of all, let's look at briefly what it means to be holy. It's a word taken from two different words, to be clean or pure. And the other root word it's taken from is to be cherished. To be cherished. Now, think about what you cherish. To be clean and pure that is cherished by God. Have you ever thought of God as being one who cherishes something or someone? Like embraces, is affectionate to, cares for. These are all character traits of God expressed to the one that he chooses chosen so that, because his purpose is that we would be clean, pure, and cherished by him. Hey, wouldn't that change the way you live next week if the goal of your week was to be clean and pure as one who is cherished by God? I'm just telling you, sometimes if I would remember that that's my purpose, that's what he's doing in all this whole life, it would change the way that I responded to people who were mad at me. Am I the only one in the room? I mean, it would change the way I respond. It would change my priorities and values sometimes if that was really truly the purpose of why I'm here and what I'm doing. To be clean and cherished, uh, same word, holy, or to be blameless. The word blameless there is, is without spot or blemish. <laughs> now that's a, that's a high calling. Let's please remember, let's just remind ourselves There is nothing in you that brings any holiness or any blamelessness. He chose you to put his own nature in so that he can, you know what it takes for God to be able to really, really cherish something? It takes for part of himself to be in it. To be to be set aside, to be holy, to be representative of who He is, to to show by nature by reflection the goodness or the the glory of who God is in contrast to everything else. I turn to First Peter chapter two. I going to show you this, and then we'll close. First Peter t- chapter two. If you're anything like me, that's a little bit that's a little bit overwhelming. That's a little bit like. I don't feel so holy and blameless sometimes. I don't... I don't. That's what he chose me for? Then how, how? When do I do that? How do I get there? First Peter chapter 2. Peter's speaking to those of us who are part of the church. And in fact, in this instance, it's in contrast to the children of Israel, the other group that was chosen by God, it's in, you're, not, you're not that people group. Who you are now is the church. In verse 9, 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that, that. What did we learn to do when we see the word that? Circle it. Why are we circling it? Because it's about to tell us why, for what purpose we have been chosen as a special people, a holy nation, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. Let Let me read one more verse, and then I'll give you just a second to understand that. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now... Have obtained mercy. Write this down. You have been chosen by God for God. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Understand this. Look at it. He's saying, if you're going to be one who proclaims praises as one who's been set aside, made clean, his nature in, watch this, It's as one who proclaims praises this way, this way. As one who has been called out of darkness and into the marvelous light. You know what that shows us? It shows us that when God wants to show the world his glory, who he really is, he chooses to do that by taking something that was old and making it new. By taking something that was dark and making it light. Hey, church, by taking something that was broken and making it fixed, by taking broken lives and restoring them, by taking people out of dysfunctional homes and creating godly homes, by taking that which is lost and hopeless and can't find its way and making it something that is absolutely steadfast by proclaiming the praises, this is what God has done in my life. God is a God of restoration, of taking even today, even right here, right now, my brokenness, my failures, and making something when I surrender and let Him be who He is in my life, making something glorious and godly out of that. That's what it means to be holy and without spot, to let God restore and bring purpose to those things that didn't have before. It's an ongoing journey. It's an ongoing process. God, what's, what's what's broken in your life right now? What's shameful? What's sp- like a blemish in the eyes of God? Right there, you just found a place because you're chosen in him where he wants to have control of that area of your life now, begin to do things that he can do, so that your life proclaims proclaims the praises of one who called you out of darkness and into the marvelous light. And the, the cool part about that is not only does it show the rest of the world, here's what a wonderful, restorative, godly, gracious, loving, powerful God. Not only that, but it shows us in our own heart, in our own quiet person, this is who God is, and he loves me. And he builds intimacy in our lives, in our relationship. Do you know why there's so many church people on the planet? I'm going to close with this thought. Why there's so many church people on the planet today who don't really know God? They, they go, they're, religion, they're religious, right? They, they serve maybe, they, they give. But when you ask them, they don't really know God personally. Do you know why? they've never surrendered. They've never given up and let God do what He wants to do and who He wants to be in their lives and restore that which is broken. Church, don't cover up that which is broken. Don't hide it. Don't ignore it. Let God have it so that He can make something glorious and marvelous out of it. God will always do that in our lives all we have to do is surrender it and let go it begins with his choice he chooses every single one of us and we have the option whether we want to accept and receive his choice or not would you pray with me let's pray together I want to ask you to just evaluate in your own life as we close the sermon are you surrendered? What area of your life, what part of who you are and how you think and how you relate still needs to be yielded over and given to God? It begins first with receiving Him. Now let me just ask you as you're praying, has there ever been a time in your life where you have personally trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That is, you recognize that you have sin. all of us do. And because of your sin, you could never get to God. You're judged and punished for your sin. Except God loved you so much that he sent his own son, who never did sin, to die on the cross and pay a sacrificial death. He went up there in place of you and died and spilled his own blood and sacrificed his life because you deserved it. And then he offers for you to receive the forgiveness from his paying the penalty. It's a free gift. Have you ever received it? He's choosing you right now. He chose you from before the foundation of the world that you would be one who would trust and believe that Jesus died for your sins and invite him into your life. Would you do that right now? Just pray a prayer, something like this, with me. In your heart, pray, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm guilty. But I choose to turn to you, Lord Jesus, who died on the cross for me, in my place, that I could be forgiven for eternity. And I receive freely, by faith, your death, burial, and resurrection for my sins. And I trust you as my personal Savior. Come into my life and be my Lord. I trust you. Now, if you just prayed that prayer and you just became a recipient of one who chose you I'm going to invite you to come forward and just spend a moment thanking God just, just here at the altar just for a few moments we're going to open up for a time of response as the music begins to play you can come stand up here and just say thank you Lord you chose me and I'm also inviting all of those who have trusted Christ at some point in your life you, you have received him you know Jesus And this morning you just want to come and be counted as one who is chosen by God. Would you come? Just come stand at the altar, kneel at the altar, spend a moment in prayer. It's a time for you, church, just to come forward. Let God have his way in your heart and your life. Thank you for choosing me in you. Maybe there's one issue that's so hard for you in your life. It's a difficulty, it's a struggle, it's a pain. And you don't know what to do with that. You want to do whatever God wants in that area of your life. If that's you, would you come forward just right now, just say, come, just bring it, bring it in your heart and come kneel before the Lord and say, Lord, here it is. I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but you that lives in me. And now I live my life by faith in the Son of God. I give up. I surrender. You do it. Show me. Lead me. Provide for me. Protect me. I let go. And I trust you. If God's speaking to your heart, you come. We don't hurt anymore. We don't ache being abandoned, being lost, being forgotten. But we uh, celebrate with great assurance, confidence, knowing, Lord, that you chose each one of us. And you chose us in you to place yourself and to give us purpose and meaning that we've never known. By your grace, and we give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, would you take out that response card, that little chat card we called your attention to earlier in the service? If everyone would take those out, and as the ushers are going to come forward, they're going to help with the offering. What we'd like to do now is take up an offering that we could continue to worship. I hope you hear me. This is not an offering so that we have money. This is an offering so that each one of us has a chance to offer to God a response from our heart and a gift from our resources as worship. So right on the back of that card, your response to God, this is what I heard from you today, God. This is how I respond to you. Yes, Lord, I surrender, I pray, help me here. Whatever it is that your response, as if if you were going to give that to God this morning and say, here's how I worship you, I worship you with this, Lord, with my heart, with my obedience. And then we'll also uh, challenge one another to be faithful and consistent, to believe that God provides for us in our finances and our money. And we get to give a financial gift as a step of faith, as an offering to the Lord as well. And that's what it is, it's an offering to God. So if you were standing before God and you put your offering on the altar, what would it be? How would it be sacrificial? What would it look like to come from joy in your heart? And how do we do that as we worship together this morning? Pastor Joe, would you lead us in prayer for our offering?
1: Let's pray. Father, as we come to this time of our service, we're just so thankful that we do have remembrance of of those that laid their lives on the line for the rest of us we're also thankful for those who we call missionaries those that carry your word to foreign fields many of them have laid their lives on the line for you for us so we're thankful for all and as we come now to this time we just want to lift up our hearts and give out of love for our fellow man, but most of all, our love for you. Accept it, O Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.